From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP Immediate Past President Sophia Thomas, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. Today's guest has served for 14 years in the North Carolina House of Representatives. She's a family nurse practitioner of more than 36 years who stepped up to get involved in the political system to more closely influence the decisions that affected her patients and her community each and every day. Her story is a testament to the influence that NPs can have when we decide to step into less traditional roles and take ownership of the non-clinical aspects of our patients' health. Please help me welcome my friend, North Carolina State Representative Gail Adcock. Welcome to NP Pulse. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I'm so glad to have you, Gail, and I'm really so excited to be talking to you. You've been serving, um, uh, I think, 14 years in the North Carolina House of Representatives. Uh, you're a nurse practitioner uh, for, for several years. I know you've been an um, AANP member, I think, uh, uh, for, oh gosh, I think it's it's 15 years or maybe even longer than that. Yeah, it's probably um, a bit longer. Yeah, I think it, I think it is longer, but... Um, you know, I'm so glad to have you share with us just a different way that nurse practitioners can serve. You know, many of us uh, go to our practice every day and come home, but there are so many different avenues for our careers, different trajectories that we can take. And so yours is quite unique. And, and I wanted you to share that with our listeners. Sure. The first thing I think is, is I'd like for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us who Gail Adcock is. Uh, so I am a family nurse practitioner of 34 years. I spent 29 of those in family practice. I've actually been a nurse for 46 years. And I was one of those uh, nurse practitioners that went to their practice every day, too, just like you, Sophia. Uh, but in addition to that, I've always been drawn to um, professional organizations. My husband always kids around that I'm the, a member of the National Association of Organizations. And <laughs> uh, as an active member of the North Carolina Nurses Association, there it's a, it's a target-rich environment for opportunity for growth. And I began to uh, take on some uh, new roles and new responsibilities as part of my NCNA membership that kind of led me into the advocacy space. I'd been president of the state association and chair of the legislative committee and some other things. Um, and advocacy was a, is a huge thing for the uh, NCNA. Um, and as I got more involved in that, coming from a totally unpolitical, non-political family with no political experience at all, and started volunteering for these opportunities to go down and uh, lobby with legislators and and I uh, was a congressional district coordinator for the American Nurses Association for the fourth con congressional district for about 10 years and things like that. I it juiced me up, right? I mm -hmm. got really excited about it and I realized that there was, you know, other people, 
non-healthcare people and certainly non-nurses were making decisions about nurses' practice and nurse practitioner practice, and they just didn't have the background to do it. And um, after about 20 years of visiting legislators and trying to get them to, in quotes, do the right thing and press the red button or the green button, I decided that I was just as smart as they were, and I wanted to be the person pressing the button. Yeah, I I think that's great. You know, I think I read that um, you uh, found it unbelievable that the 2013 legislature rejected Medicaid expansion. And that was one of the things that really, you know, launched your your career. Well, actually, that was that was an additive thing. I'd actually been uh, I've had I was fortunate and still fortunate to have a lot of uh, nurse practitioner colleagues who for probably 15 years before I ever ran for office the first time 14 years ago started saying to me, when are you going to run for office? And I would laugh it off. And I'd uh-huh. say, oh, you know, I, whatever you're drinking, give me one and stuff <laughs> like that. And then after, you know, when people give you that kind of of reinforcement, after a while, you begin to think, what are they seeing that I don't see? And so maybe after, you know, after several years, when people would say, when are you going to run for office? I'd say, maybe one day. And a few more years passed and they'd say, when are you going to run? And I'd say, one day. And then I decided I had to get serious. So I went to campaign school. Uh, so, uh, There's such a, a thing as campaign school? Ah, yes. And North Carolina has one of the best. It's called the Institute of Political Leadership. It's a nonpartisan uh, competitive entry campaign school. They take 22 fellows a year. It's six months of intensive, like a weekend MBA program with homework. And you learn how to write a campaign plan. You learn how to poll. You learn how to handle media. You learn how to raise money. And I figured, okay. I'll apply and see if they take me. So I applied. They took me. I said, okay, I'll do this. I'll either love it or I'll hate it. Well, I didn't hate it. And I found out that there were several things in it that I was actually good at. And there were other things that I thought I can get good at. And so I graduated from this program in the spring of 2006. And I had this five-year plan. My five-year plan was to get some more um, community experience and to build this runway to run for the state legislature. Well, the universe had other plans for me. And one year after I finished uh, IOPL, uh, a seat came open on our local town council. And I live in a town, it's called a town, but it's 170,000 people. So it's not a small place. Right. And the woman that represented my district in the town, the town's divided into four districts, decided not to run for re-election. It never occurred to me to run for that office, but it occurred to other people. And they were not nurses. I will say nurses gave me the confidence to think I could run for office, but it was non-nurses who pushed me to do it. And uh, I was approached to run for the office. And in my wisdom, I said, no, thank you, because I had my eyes set on the legislature. And this is my my message here is don't let opportunity get in the way of your plans. Right. Mm -hmm. So I uh, did run for that office in a three way. It was open seat for in a three way race with two guys. And I walked away with 55% of the vote in my first race. Wow. And then I ran for re-election four years later and got 67% of the vote. Um, and after two terms on the town council, I was recruited by two or three different groups to run against a two-term incumbent in the House. That, so this was seven years ago. And I did run, and I beat him 51 to 49%. <gasps> and oh. now I'm in my fourth term in the House. I'm the first advanced practice registered nurse to be elected to our legislature, and I'm still the only 
primary care provider in the legislature. Wow, that's just an amazing story. And so Mm -hmm. as the only primary care provider in the legislature, I I can tell you, I was at the um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana um, at um, during Nurses Week and we we were lobbying for our bills and things like Mm -hmm. that. And in the Louisiana House of Representatives, there are no healthcare providers that are serving. And so I think of you as, as the only primary care provider there. And do your colleagues call on you and uh, to ask you your expertise in these mm-hmm. uh, issues Absolutely. related on both to health care? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And on both sides of the aisle. Uh, nurse practitioners, it doesn't take long as a nurse practitioner to be in committee before people start recognizing the questions you ask are really thoughtful questions. They're not superficial. They get down to the heart of the matter. I had a couple of senators come over to me in the House Health Committee yesterday, actually. Um, And I'm in the House. They're in the Senate. But they were there to run their bill. And they both came over to me afterwards. It was a bill about exclusive provider organizations. It's an insurance product. And they both came over to me later and said, those were the most thoughtful questions anybody asked. And when are you going to run for the Senate? And I'm not lying that they said that. And they're in the oh. other party. Wow. They're not in my party. And, what a you know, we've been, but we're, we're um, co sponsors of a bill together. I'm on the House version, they're on the Senate version. We spend a lot of time working on this bill together. It's the full practice authority bill for our state, actually. So my point is just yes. Um, no matter which party you are, no matter how long you've been there, if you go in as a nurse practitioner and just conduct yourself like you normally would, just like you would in your clinical practice or any place else, it doesn't take long for people to recognize the knowledge that you bring and um, to come to ask you questions, to ask your advice, to ask your input, to ask your opinion. And my caucus mm-hmm. frequently turns to me whenever we have any healthcare bills to discuss in caucus and they say, Tell us what you think we should do about this bill. And, you know, we only get 10 seconds on the floor to vote on a bill. Mm -hmm. You have electronic voting and you press the red or the green button. And I frequently, and I have a caucus, it's got 51 people in it, turn around and look at me and they do, they put their thumb up or thumb down and they go, which one do I do? Uh And depending on whether I put my thumb up or thumb down is how they vote. Oh, and, and, yeah. it'll make it'll make your heart beat fast. <laughs> it, it, that's such a compliment that they they look up to you and respect you. Um, it, just just an amazing story, and you've had yeah. such uh, a really made such a difference as far as healthcare there in North Carolina. I'm sure. Well, I've, 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 I say that I pull my oar every day. You know, I don't know everything. But I know a lot more about health care than anybody else in the building. And and I will say that when I came to the legislature seven years ago, there was one other nurse in the house, and she'd been there a couple of terms before me. And she's a lovely person, and she knows a lot about um, intellectual disabilities and mental health. And then we've had a, we have a physician there now who's a child psychiatrist, and you have another nurse whose background is aging. And But I'm still the only primary care provider. And so I make it a point— Whenever I speak in committee or on the floor, and I don't mean just health committee, I'm on commerce, appropriations, regulatory reform, rules, which is the most powerful committee in the House. All committee assignments I asked for, and they sound different, but they're really quite linked. I never speak in committee about an issue other than to ask a procedural question that I don't use a clinical example. And I remind everybody in the room 
that I'm a nurse practitioner. I expect that I, it won't take long before I stand up and somebody goes, okay, we know you're a nurse practitioner. <laughs> Get to the point. But, and that's, you know what? I live for that day. That's what I, I want them to go. Gail Adcox, a nurse practitioner first and a politician second. I always mm-hmm. say a nurse practitioner is who I am. And, a pol- and politics is what I do. It is mm-hmm. not who I am. Yeah, you and you are a nurse practitioner. So what made you decide to uh, become a nurse practitioner? Let's go back to, first of all, why did you um, decide to become a nurse? What what drove you that to this direction? Well, I'm going to use something someone said to me quite recently. I was born to be a nurse, apparently, uh-huh. because my mom says that I talked about becoming a nurse almost as soon as I could talk. And I love to talk and apparently talked early. Um, And it just never crossed my mind to do anything else. So I went to nursing school um, and I've worked my way through nursing school all three times because my family had a lot of big dreams and a very small pocketbook. And I'm the I'm first generation college in my family. None of my cousins have gone to college. My brother didn't go to college. I'm still the only one in my family that's been to college, much less graduate school. So I became I began as a diploma nurse, and then within a year, I'd gone back to school to get a baccalaureate, worked nights, went to school during the day, knocked that out in a couple of years, and then I and I fell in love with public health when I was doing my BSN, just head over heels in love with it, and I did public health uh, for seven years. And during that time, I'd been a nurse now by you know ten years. I worked with my first nurse practitioner. She was a family planning nurse practitioner. Um, And what I realized was she was doing things that in a much better way than the physicians at the health department were doing because they were in and out very quickly. Mm -hmm. And she was spending time with the patients and she was making a big difference. And I decided just like that, I was going to go to graduate school and become a nurse practitioner. When I got out of school, I worked for myself for about four and a half years. I was a contract MP doing clinical work. And then... I was hired at SAS Institute, which is a global uh, software company, privately held. And I, um, after a couple of years working there as a staff NP, I was promoted to chief health officer, which I did for 26 years. And um, for the company, I uh, operated a large uh, on-site corporate family practice with a staff of 68 that delivered free primary care to 14,000 employees and family members from birth to people in their 80s, and we did everything for them. We managed their uh, acute and chronic illnesses, did their physical exams, did their um, counseling, labs, you know, immunizations, you know, nutrition, PT, everything. It was a wonderful job as a nurse practitioner. It was a policy job, and it gave me real chops for downtown because Mm -hmm. after 26 years in corporate America, I'm five foot two, working with very tall powerful men, I learned how to hold my own with anybody. Uh And I learned how to uh, present a business plan. I learned how to stand my ground and say, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to do that. And it will make you brave and it will give you uh, the kind of courage you need to go downtown and do similar things. Um, And so it kind of, you know, that wonderful experience in corporate America, plus my experience with the North Carolina Nurses Association being an advocate gave me the the willingness and the interest and the courage to run for office because it'll make you believe you can do anything or yeah. at least you should try to do that. And I think that those experiences, uh, plus being a nurse practitioner, really gives you a leg up in elected office. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like leadership is is in your blood from everything that you've done. You've got a great foundation to prepare you for what you're doing right now. Um, well, I appreciate that. I've had a lot of great opportunities for leadership and and wonderful colleagues who have what I call put their hand on the small of my back and pushed me forward and said, you go do this. Many times when I didn't realize that I could do it or I was unwilling to do it at that time, but they kind of forced me into it. And mm-hmm. then I'd look back and go, oh, my gosh, that was one of the best things that ever happened. Um, and you need you need uh, friends like that. And you need to be a friend like that. You need to push other people forward. And I always say there are two questions you should ask every nurse who tells you they're going to run for office. One's a comment and one's a question. The comment is, I don't care what they say to you. You go, that's great. Whatever they're going to run for, if they're going to run for president, you go, that's great. What's the question? The question is, how can I help you? Those are the only two things you need to do. We need to back nurses up who want to do this. Well, we do because nurses and certainly nurse practitioners can have such an impact. We we listen. um, We ask questions. We really try to understand, just like we do with our patients, mm-hmm. we try to understand the whole the whole patient, the whole situation before making a decision. We want to make uh, informed decisions. And so I think that, you know, certainly prepare, would prepare us to be mm-hmm. an informed legislator and, and a successful legislator as well. Mm-hmm. I would add to that, that in addition to being great listeners and actually listening often for what isn't said, right? With our patients, mm-hmm. we are from listening for what's not being said or seeing if the words match the face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that we're really good at analyzing a lot of data. And when you're a legislator, let me tell you what, it's like drinking from a fire hose every day. I mean, the, the House drops about 1,200 bills a year. And I would say probably 20% of those get heard in committee and eventually get voted on. And you have to be able to be a quick read, a quick study. You have to know who to 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 draw on to to figure out things you don't know, like banking bills and reg reform bills that I go, I'm not the expert on this. Who do I talk to, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we're really good at analyzing data. We're really good at formulating solutions at, you know, this is the nursing process, right? And yeah. then choosing a course of action and then being accountable for the decision. This is what a lot of politicians lack is the ability to be accountable, particularly when things don't go well. When things go great, of course, you're taking all the credit. If things don't go so great, you're looking for the scapegoat, right? And what nurses do so well is we stand up and go, I made that decision. If things didn't turn out the way we'd hoped, what do we do now? We do that with our patients, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're really good at, of course, evaluating what worked and didn't work and choosing another course of action. But our real... Um, I think our number one trait that makes us effective legislators is the ability to meet people, other people, where they are. Mm-hmm. And this works not just with members of your own caucus, but it particularly works with members of whichever party you're not a member of, because you've got to work well with other people in order to advance any idea, any policy, any legislation. We have a real talent for that as nurses, something that your average elected official doesn't come to the General Assembly knowing how to do. And we are particularly good at that. And people will gravitate to us to be on their bills, to help them with things because they realize we're non-judgmental. We mm-hmm. have to be non-judgmental in our work, right, with our patients. Yeah. We meet them where they are no matter. We don't have to be just like them. They don't have to be just like us. For us to find common ground and say, 
what can we work on together? You know, my patients mm-hmm. that I treated for type 2 diabetes and hypertension and obesity and bad lipids, you know, the big four. Um, and they would say, you would tell them kind of what their options were for treating their illnesses and managing their chronic conditions. They live at the 24-7, maybe see you once a quarter. And they would say, I'm not willing to do, like one of my patients said, I'm not giving up Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, if Mountain Dew's off the table, tell me what you are willing to do. Because if they're willing to do 80% of what you believe is going to help them, then you put 100% into that 80%. And that's what I do in the legislature every day. I just go for the 80% and I give it 100%. So, Gail, do you find that with this approach, uh, this nursing approach to uh, to politics, do you find that um, you are more approachable, obviously, and do your... So you, policymakers are coming to you for help with their bills, um, are they more likely to help you when you have a bill that's important to you? Absolutely. That's been my experience. Um, You know, I don't know if it's unique or not, but I I don't think I'm different from any other nurse out there in terms of my ability to to figure out where the common ground is and to be an approachable person. Nurses are just approachable by nature. You can't do this work if people are afraid to talk to you. And the other thing, the, the other thing is, you know, if your patient um, misses their appointment. I mean, you can label that non-compliant, but what we really know is probably the system isn't working for that patient. So what I've learned in my 46 years as a nurse and 34 years as a nurse practitioner is not to label behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Is to try to understand it. I don't label people either, just like we don't label our patients the chest pain in room two, right? And so I don't label the people on the other side of the aisle. I never talk bad about them. I don't call them names. I don't Uh, say that I know what their intent or motivation is. I can't read their mind. And that, they appreciate that because it's so rare that they're treated that way. So -hmm. they come to me and say, Gail, will you be on my bill? I go to them and say, will you be on my bill? And I I don't, I mean, it's rare that I ever get turned down asking Mm -hmm. a member of the other party to be on one of my bills. They will ask me to speak to their bill on the floor. And I'm on the other side of the aisle. Why? Because they believe if I stand up and talk about the benefits of this bill, even if it's not a health care bill, because I'm respected in my caucus, my caucus members are more likely to vote for it. And I'm respected on the other side of the aisle. It adds some oomph to their argument. And I do the same thing. I go to them and say, would you, you know, would you back me up on this amendment to this bill? And they'll say, absolutely. Or they'll say, I can't, Gail, let me tell you why. And I'll say, "Okay, well, what can we do together? Um, and I have found that that's a real formula for success. Well, I hope this formula for success will help you when you put forth your uh, FPA bill. Oh, I would just say that uh, lots of inroads are being made down here in North Carolina. Wow, that that's great news. That's great to hear. So what would you say, Gail, to, you know, the practicing nurse practitioners out there that Um, maybe have, I mean, I can tell you, I have an interest in politics, you know, myself, Mm -hmm. I think I find it fascinating, the health policy process. I love getting involved in advocacy, um, to advocate for, you know, not only nurse practitioners, but, uh, bills, um, for issues that matter to our patients. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I find that fascinating. And I know many other nurse practitioners do, and I have an interest in, you know, running for the school board because I'm Mm -hmm. so passionate about things that impact 
um, you know, children. And so, I, you know, I, I look to you and, and other NP leaders uh, for insight in these things. So what would you say to nurse practitioners that maybe want to uh, get more involved in their communities mm-hmm. or um, get more involved in their in their states? Mm-hmm. Well, that is the that's the $100,000 question. And that's the question I get asked several times a week. And it's my favorite question. Oh, good. And I would say that uh, the first thing a nurse practitioner needs to do, and you and I figured this out a long time ago, is you join with other like-minded nurse practitioners. And you do that by joining your professional association, your state association, and your national association, because they both have big roles in in. Um, advancing access to care for our patients, but also your own professional development. And, you know, uh, people are like tofu. We take on the flavor of what we're mixed with. So if we mix ourselves with um, like-minded nurse practitioners who are interested in policy, interested in advancing uh, these issues, we will become stronger nurse practitioners and stronger advocates. Um, so that's the first thing is join your professional association and don't just be a member in name only. Get involved on some level, depending on you know where you are in your life. Your membership is totally scalable. You can be, you know, in, doing something every night. You can be doing something once a month, depending on what else you got going on. So that's the first thing. The second is make sure that you are registered to vote and that you vote in every single election. I'm talking every single election, municipal primaries, not just when the president runs or you got to elect a governor or a senator, because those decisions. <clears throat> made about local officials, those are the make and break decisions. And that brings us to the school board question. So then you want to, you, so you've done those first two things. You've joined your professional association, you're registered to vote, and you're voting in, in an informed way. You look around your community and you say, what am I passionate about? What am I interested in? How do I get involved? I'm going to tell you how. Every town Every county has a website that will tell you what the opportunities are for service. Every municipality, school board, and county commission, or whatever they're called in your area, have a website that will tell you about the boards and commissions to which you can be appointed. And you can check those out and see what you know grabs your interest. And I'll give you an example. In every, at least in North Carolina, every municipality has a planning board. It is a constitutionally required um, requirement that every municipality have a planning board so you can make decisions about land development and zoning. And I have people say to me, but would a nurse be an appropriate person for the planning board? And I'm going, absolutely, because the planning board is making decisions to make recommendations to their council about what to do with this green space over here that's not been built on or this space that was zoned one uh, this parcel of land zone for one condition and now it's going to be zoned for something else because nurses are thinking about, do we need another shopping center and drugstore or do we need green space? If we're going to have high density residential, which is code for apartments, what where's the walkability? Do we have sidewalks? Do we have a play area for the children and for the adults to go? Are you going to cut down every single tree and have clear cutting? Are you going to have, are you going to spare the tree so you have both canopy cover and shade, but you also have better, you know, it's an aesthetic thing, but it's also an ecological thing. You have less stormwater runoff. You have, you have all these environmental issues too. So nurses actually have a place on every kind of board or commission, but you should choose the one 
for which you have some interest and are willing to learn because you're not going to walk in and know everything. Even when you sit on a health board, you don't know everything, right? Um, you could, you know, I think sometimes nurses, nurse practitioners too, think that our biggest source of knowledge and um, participation and a contribution is about healthcare directly. And what I'd say to you, it's all those other things that feed into healthcare to which we can uh, offer a lot. Um, and the school board is a great example. Our local school board makes decisions about curriculum. They're making decisions about whether they're going to be vending machines in the schools and what those vending machines are going to have, what phys ed's going to be like and who's going to take it. These are things nurses are, whether they're going to be school nurses and how they're going to be used, right? They may not pay for the school nurse. The county commission might do that. That's how it is in our state. But they're going to decide what the duties of that school nurse are. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is just a place at the table for every um, nurse practitioner and local government is a great place to start, uh, whether you do it as a appointee uh, to a board or commission or whether you decide to run for office. Local government has an impact on your life, my life uh, every single day. I gave you an example. I was talking to a graduate student this morning who's a graduate student in uh, public health. And I said, you know, the federal government makes a decision. You might feel it in four years. The state may make a decision. You'll feel it in six years to two, uh, six months to two years. Your town council makes, makes a decision on Thursday. You may feel it the next Thursday. That's how quickly mm-hmm. it can work. That's how quickly those decisions can be put into place. And if you really want to have an impact on the quality of life and the opportunity for good health for your community, local government's a wonderful place to get started. That's great advice. And so that's that's the how. Uh, now, let me ask you, why should nurse practitioners get involved in their communities? Yeah. Oh, this is another great question. Uh, well, you know, I'm a big believer, and I hope it's okay to cuss, uh, no <laughs> bitching from the sidelines. Okay, Uh, I'm a Southerner and, you know, we do that. Um, No bitching from the sidelines. So if you want to see things be better in your community, then you have to have a hand in it. Mm -hmm. And if and I think that because, you know, we enter a life of public service. I mean, you don't go into nursing to become a millionaire. You enter it because your heart and your head are calling you to this kind of service. Well, being involved in your community is another just another step into public service. Mm -hmm. And so just as any citizen should be involved in some way in their community, I think nurse practitioners are, as we've discussed before, just uniquely qualified and uniquely positioned to have a real voice in what happens in their local community, whether that's through nonprofit work, whether that's in working through the schools, your faith community, your local government, whether you ever run for elected office, you can have huge impact and how your fellow citizens enjoy their life, right? And what their mm-hmm. life is going to be like by getting involved in advocacy work. And so whether that's by serving on a board of commission or going downtown to wherever your um, capital is to talk to legislators, talking with them on the phone, sending them an email, you're trying to make the world, starting with your community, a place where people have an opportunity to have good health and meet their potential. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. 
Gail Adcock, thank you so much for joining us. You have been truly inspirational for me, and I'm sure our listeners uh, feel inspired as well to get up and, and go out and, and, and serve. So thanks so much for joining us here on NP Pulse. It's been truly a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, Sophia. All the best to you. Thank you, Gail. It's been so wonderful to speak to you today. For anyone interested in getting more involved, now is the time to register for the 2022 AANP Health Policy Conference. Whether you're a seasoned NP advocate or a novice in this arena, this conference provides a unique opportunity to expand your health policy knowledge. Discuss policy issues with your peers, learn what resonates with your elected leaders, and return home a stronger NP advocate for your patients. The conference begins March the 6th. Also, be sure to check out AANP's state advocacy resources for fact sheets, policy maps, the state policy tracker tool, and so, so much more. Links are listed in the description of this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast, share with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. Thank <laughs> you.